0: Hi and welcome back to FreightWaves Live at Home. We're going to talk about innovation uh, throughout the supply chain in in trucking, logistics, three PL world, all, all through all through logistics and the supply chain in this fireside chat. My name is Kevin Hill. I'm the executive publisher here at FreightWaves, and I'm joined by Michael Newcity. He's a chief innovation officer and president of ArcBest Technologies. Thank you for joining us today, Michael.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be here, Kevin.
0: Perfect. So, um, can you introduce yourself and and your role at ArcBest Technologies and within ArcBest or our audience uh, right now?
1: Sure. Yeah. So, I've had this innovation role um, in the organization since 2015. It's a new role to the organization at that time, and it's kind of set on a five to seven year horizon in terms of uh, really driving uh, transformative informa- uh, innovation to ArcBest. And uh, so I'm very excited about that role uh, for the organization. Um, you know, ArcBest Technologies, uh, I serve as the president. Uh, it's a wholly owned subsidiary of ArcBest. It's focused on the, the traditional information technology function, uh, as well as data science, operations science. Uh, we've got an engineering group that's focused on research and development around the operational uh, elements of freight operations. And we've got a group of about 500 uh, tech and uh, analytical professionals who really understand technology, as well as the freight transportation and logistics space.
0: You're based there in Fort Smith, Arkansas, and that's where a majority of ArcBest Technologies uh, is based, but you said you had a few other campuses around the, the, the country?
1: Sure. We've got Plano um, through our Bear acquisition and then also uh, Medina through the Panther acquisition. And so we've got really three main campuses uh, for our technology employees.
0: That's great. And uh, Now, you've been um, with, with ArcBest for a, a number of years with, with uh, varied roles. I mean, we were talking right before we hit the, the record button here uh, about you had uh, done a stint as the CFO uh, of Archbest. Uh I, I guess with these varied roles and now as Chief Innovation Officer, what kind of perspectives does that give you? And also... How has trucking and logistics changed uh, in your tenure?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, you know, back on the CFO role, that was a great opportunity for me. Um, and uh, I was a non-traditional CFO from 2010 through 2014. And it gave me a, a much broader perspective on how we use strategy as well as portfolio management. And so coming into my role now as uh, heading up innovation and technology, I've got a, a, a very Uh, tight focus on making sure innovation uh, meets the strategy, is driving the strategy and is viewed from a portfolio perspective. But, you know, when I pull back and look at um, the industry um, and how it's changed in the last 25 years, I really take it from a system perspective, Um, not just the supply chain, but um, when you think about a system, you've really got three levers that drive uh, drive is scale or the number of elements in the system. It's its diversity, uh, the number of different elements in the system, and, and then connectivity. It's the relationship across all those elements. And when I think about how our industry has evolved uh, over the last you know 25 years, you've got the number of freight modes, you've got the increasing number of capacity providers, asset based and asset light for each mode, and then you got all the different ways that that we're connecting. Um, You roll in the uh, increasing number of what I call uh, technology arms dealers, like the TMS platforms, the the API connections, the data aggregators, the, the digital board startups, and you've got a very complex system in our supply chain. And so, what I think about when I think about strategic supply chain innovation, I think it's about making that very complex system more accessible, more easily accessible. To those uh, depending on it engaging it, and to me that's the journey that ArcVest, um has been on in trying to help shippers and capacity providers kind of navigate this complex landscape it's uh it's our strategy around building the multimode uh, asset light operation alongside the asset based and and it's how we've invested in technology and innovation uh, to to drive that
0: yeah I mean it's it is. It's all about collaboration, innovation, uh, and, and that's kind of where the industry is going right now. Um, when, when it comes to, to ArcBest in particular, I mean it's you know you have 25 years of experience. ArcBest has 100 years uh, of experience as well. Uh, what does it take for an established player uh, to to be at the forefront in innovation and trends in, in technology and how business is done today?
1: Yeah. So I use the phrase pragmatic innovation. It, it, there's a quote from Steve Jobs who said, uh, you know focus is saying no to the a thousand good ideas. So you need the focus, but you also need the thousand good ideas. And for me, that happens across you know two or three spectrums. it's It's about investment and it's about people and partnerships. And um, you know first, the, the tech investment. You, you've got to be investing at the right level of technology and innovation investment. You know, ArcBest, we're currently around 4% of revenue uh, on technology and innovation investment. We, we believe that's in line with the industry. However, we also believe that much more of our, our total tech spend, around 45%, is going toward those uh, transforming initiatives um, versus the industry average, around which is around 30%. And we've, we've been able to do that. Um, because we've optimized and run the business technologies through a mix of, of homegrown and, and off-the-shelf systems, uh, cloud, on-premise technology, but we've also transformed the way that we view technology spend. It's much more like a portfolio of investments. It's tightly aligned to our strategy uh, versus treating technology like a like a keep the lights on type function. The other side comes from people and really kind of in two forms. It, You've got the people you hire and the people you partner with. And the right mix enables you to have a company that that you've got technologists and innovators that really understand your business. Um, Our average tenure for technology employees is about 13 years. And so they not only know the technology, but they also know the freight business. And then companies have got to really be open about how they form partnerships. You know, this provides a variable component where you can flex Uh, investments as the need arises and source key talent. An example for us is our data science team. We've got over 100 folks uh, working in data science, and and 50 of those are direct ArcBest Technologies employees, and the other 50 are offshore, nearshore, and that really enhances that portfolio. And the last thing I'd say, Kevin, is that you've got to really think open about your partnerships you know, you got to be much more comfortable working with early stage startups, uh, working with uh, emerging tech. Uh, and we've got folks that are dedicated in looking at that space as well.
0: And it's interesting because you brought up Steve Jobs and, and saying no to a thousand good ideas. And uh, over the last, I, at least five to let's say 10 years, freight tech is a happening space, right? A lot of VC investments, a lot of good ideas out there, too many good ideas sometimes, right? Because you get into those thousands of good ideas and you're talking about partnerships uh, right there. It's it's a difficult process, right? To to winnow those down, who are you going to partner with? Because there are a lot of really good ideas at that, but that means that there's a lot of due diligence by uh by, by logistics companies like like Archvest, right?
1: That's right. I completely agree. It it really reminds me of. I mean, I was involved in the uh, um, in the late 1990s in in our entry into into the dot com era with the company, and I just remember um, a lot of um, ideas chasing problems. I remember uh, attending a lot of conferences and and with a team, and we'd get back and we and we'd kind of compare notes, and it was really interesting to say, "Wow, there's a lot of interesting things out there, and we're just not sure how they're gonna how they're gonna Continue, um, so it is. We're, we're, we're really in an interesting time
0: for sure. It, it is. It's almost like paralysis by analysis sometimes because there's <laughs> so many options out there. Yeah, uh, I, let, let's talk about innovation. Uh, disruption drives innovation. Uh, we we all know that that phrase. And over the last twelve months, we have had disruption, right? So, uh, in your seat, how has this disruption affected innovation in the in the industry?
1: Yeah, especially with the pandemic, and you know, I think you know, for us, we had to adapt in 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 different ways. When I think about uh, the disruption from the from the pandemic, you know, um, safety was top of mind for our employees. Uh, we took aggressive steps uh, to protect frontline employees. Uh, you can't uh, you can't deliver freight uh, from the home, right? And so we had employees out there that really uh, we worked with. Uh, to provide as safe an environment as we could, and then we had technologies in place, fortunately, to 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 bring people home that could go home, and that worked out extremely well. It was a highly collaborative effort across the organization, and and you know reading stories about how other companies you know did the same thing. It was just a really uh, interesting event. I think the other thing that we did is we used some of our internal data science folks um, to to create an internal dashboard and mashup of some of the uh, CDC data on COVID outbreaks, um, our employees that were still in the field, you know, and how the infections were uh, uh, tracking across our 250 locations. And and we also were able to kind of roll in the state and local regulations that were going on at the time and be able to coordinate and help uh, navigate through that storm using a kind of taking a data science approach. Um, and. And so that went went really, really well. You know, the one one interesting thing that happened is that we were actually, you know, right in the middle, um, still in the process of a, of a remodel um, in our facility, in our technology innovation facility in Fort Smith, and we we'd done the demo uh, on, on two floors, and uh, the pandemic hit, and then you're you're just rethinking. Well, do we really? go back to the same kind of footprint do we do we think differently about what the new normal is going to look like and so we actually kind of redesign the space uh for what we consider primary office employees versus primary home employees and 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 we're now in the process where some employees are coming back and um and having to adapt to that new that new that new world
0: yeah, Michael. I, I hope you guys finished the remodel, and I hope you bought the lumber for that remodel <laughs> early in the cycle. Because if you haven't bought it yet, you're going to pay a, a very dear yeah. price for it. Aren't well,
1: you? fortunately, we we're 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 in the good there. Okay, so yeah. that yeah, it's been that's crazy. I can
0: yeah for sure. Uh, it really has. It really is. Uh, and uh, talking about disruption, innovation. What what are probably one or two of the really key things that Uh, not only ArcBest, but probably the entire industry has learned from the pandemic, from this disruption in in innovative ways that that we've overcome that and that will really stick. And I I think one of those is really deciding who's at work at home first and who needs to be in the office would be one and having the the technology to support both. Um, uh, Are there a couple other lessons that that you've learned as well that that are going to stick with yourself and the industry as a whole?
1: I think what, yeah, I think what, you know, a couple of things on this. I think that we, we can't, we, we can't be bound with a fixed mindset. We've got to be very, we got to think about fixed and variable type concepts. And, you know, I think pre-pandemic, most traditional organizations, um, unless they had a, a, a large remote, you know, uh, workforce. I mean, you know, our field sales folks are largely remote, you know, pre pandemic and have been for a number of years. But when you think about employee groups like call centers or even tech employees or our data science and people, um, you know, that's generally you're, you're managing all around, uh, an office space. And so, and we, and honestly, I don't think we didn't know. and I don't think anyone else knew how well that was going to work out, you know, sending all those folks home. At least for us, it's worked out great. Um, it's it's it was a situation where we didn't miss a beat on productivity. Um, we didn't miss a beat on delivering projects, at least from a tech and innovation perspective. You know, I heard about uh, people uh, in the in the in the in the M space and the startup space, you know, getting series funding and and without ever you know leaving their home. And so I I thought that was really fascinating. So I think having this mindset that we can work from home. And so from our perspective, the way we're looking at that is this, um, you know, our organization uh, has a very, very strong culture and we, we feel like that culture got us through. It's we don't want to lose the culture um, aspect of that. And that comes from being together, doing things together, seeing each other, um, you know, beyond the Zoom call. And, and so we want to have that in-office interaction happening. But at the same time, we also don't want to, we, we feel like the, the remote aspects of work can can play to our advantage and we don't want to, to lose that either. So we're still taking the lessons in and kind of, and kind of figuring that out. But uh, I think we're, I think we're, I think all of us are, are pleased um, uh, where we landed.
0: It's that balance really. I mean, and we feel here at Freightways as well, right? It's that balance between productivity and quality of life um, from having or being able to, to work remote and that diffusion of ideas that, that happen uh, when everyone's in together working on the same problems and you kind of lose that in in Zoom calls or video calls or, or the remote space. So you, you do, you, you have to find that that perfect balance. And I think that's uh, what every company, whether this industry or any industry you can pick right now is trying to balance.
1: That's right, totally agree.
0: Yeah, um, when it comes to innovation, adoption of new technologies, new new systems and methods, and partnerships, uh, how how's the shipper community? You know, those those CPG companies and retail companies and industrials are a shipping product. Uh, how what, what are their thoughts right now on technology and integrations and, and partnerships?
1: Yeah, and this is something I've seen, you know, from my early days with e-commerce. You know uh to 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 today you know back then we were uh we had the websites we had apis XML, those kind of connections and things and 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 still today you're integrating uh platforms in the the tms solutions and and what i'd say kevin this is probably not going to come as a surprise to you is it's a there's a significant gap in technology adoption and it's not necessarily between shippers or logistics companies i think the adoption differences are exist among shippers on their own, as well as uh, logistics companies on their own. You've got leaders, you've got laggards, you've got um, some, some organizations where they're innovating, they're early adopters of new and emerging tech, um, some on the bleeding edge, and you've got others that seem to be kind of still living in the, in the stone age. You know, Their uh, systems are always uh, at, the, at the end of the life cycle. Um, and and then you've got some that are in the middle with a more pragmatic approach and I you know I think the problem with that I think it really adds to the complexity that I spoke of earlier is when you have such a, a difference between um, some folks and on, on their on their adoption it, it really uh, creates complexity both for the for the shippers and the logistics companies and you know quite honestly it's it's also why you've seen uh, such interest from from the startup community in in our space because of those inefficiencies. Um, those there, there are some organizations that are speaking directly to those uh, those differences, and so it's you know that's that's the state we're in.
0: It, it is, you know, it it is, and 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 hopefully, uh, you know, innovation will drive us all forward and, and create more efficiencies and. Better technology, more productivity uh, going right. forward. I mean, that's the, the the goal for for everyone, right? Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, and and we're talking about pushes in, in technology and innovation. You know, just last week, the Colonial Pipeline, uh, the, the ransomware attack. Uh, uh, we've we've covered uh, a number of different ransomware and cyber attacks here at Freightwaves, uh, and and also we've heard about quite a few others that we've just never had enough information to to print uh so whether those are rumors or not we're not really sure but if whatever the case the rumors are rife if those aren't confirmed cases uh and we've seen you know the the panic buying of gasoline uh about that and this is one of the the real risks out there that we all face is is cyber attacks uh from international groups and i just wanted to uh throw a question out there about that and, and kind of the, the risks that you see and, and kind of what you, what you think that impact on the, the industry is um, from these uh, security threats.
1: You know, it's interesting. I mean, I, was, I, I guess you were going to bring that question up on this call because it really is recent interesting news from a supply chain perspective. You know, it's the, it's a hot item. So, you know, I think the interesting thing is if, you know, if, If we were going to talk about the things that aren't being discussed in cybersecurity, I would have said, you know, infrastructure, you know, power, fuel, water, you know, before the pipeline incident, you know, but they've been talked about for some time now and and really no good solutions have been proposed. You know, the interesting thing about the Colonial Pipeline incident is that it's an indirect supplier incident. You know, most vendor management programs are are concerned with direct vendors uh, and assumes they can manage their own supply chain. I think about the the target hack years ago i mean that was a that was through a partner you know a vendor type indirect vendor relationship um you know they don't typically deal with our vendors upstream vendors so you know the other area that i'm really concerned about is communications i mean there was the nashville at&t incident last december and that was a physical attack but the network providers point of presence are well known many are remotely managed and so you know Think about disrupting communications across the country through through some kind of a concerted attack on network communications. It'd be it'd be disastrous. And so I don't think um, that that topic is probably being discussed enough. And and then it really amplifies when you think about um, autonomy uh, on the roads. When you think about um, IoT. Um, that's monitoring all our systems, whether on the infrastructure side. Um, when we think about trying to bring some of these technologies deeper online across the infrastructure, um, there, there really needs to be a better perspective, um, a, a, a national perspective, in my my view, on how security will be dealt with. You know these, these actors, these bad actors, they you know we all know they're well funded. They're um, they're very intentional, um, very intelligent, um, uh, and and um, and so this gets a lot of attention. You know, the other area that does get a lot of uh, discussion, Kevin, is ransomware. It's a growing threat because it's fairly um, it's fairly I mean, it's fairly lucrative. It's it doesn't it doesn't require a lot of intelligence to to perform those kind of activities. Um, and you know what our security team would say is if you're following the, the the basic guidelines of cybersecurity, you can really build up a good defense. But again, you're as as good as that next you know partner you're connected with and what they're doing. So this is an area that I think is going to get a lot of attention uh, from this event this week.
0: It is. It, it, it definitely is. We we have a couple talks uh, about this exclusively, and you bring up a really good point. Is is that indirect vendor? You know that that it's not controlling your own system, but but. Uh, being defensive against people that you work with you know your partners and your collaborators and it, it's tough i let's, let's end this fireside chat on on better news though right let's <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> let's, let's turn it back up again and uh i'd, I'd like to get your thoughts on on both ARCBEST and and the industry in general uh what do you see next in technology innovation in the next five to ten years what's your vision for that
1: yeah for us you know i think you know, you've got the usual suspects, right? You've got things that are being talked a lot about about um, IoT, about um, advanced analytics when it comes to, you know, predictive and prescriptive analytics, cognitive engagement technologies, um, edge computing is a big one, five uh, G technologies, um, automation, of course, or or augmentation type technologies. Those are those are all. Um, big technologies, they're exciting. There's a huge amount of interplay between those technologies. And so what I'd say, you know, when I think about more near term over the next five years, I think we're going to see a significant percentage of of tasks today that can become automated, that can become uh, where the decisions can be augmented. And it's not about replacing people. It's about uh, kind of, you know, uh, mind and machine doing better together than what it could do separate. And so I really feel like, that's a that's a, a good place. You know, we've we've developed a number of machine learning algorithms really embedded in the systems that our employees use. They're, they're designed to, to augment, to, to improve decision making. Uh, we use these solutions across uh, yield management uh, and in our asset light operations. We we recently launched a capacity sourcing tool to optimize the uh, utilization of, of internal co- uh, equipment capacity. Um, and you know we're using it in our healthcare analytics to uh, improve the wellness of our employees. So it's not just supply chain type tech that we're looking at internally. We're looking at um, uh, the wellness of our employees and using that kind of data science uh, in that area as well. I think the other area that um, is interesting from an innovation perspective is how we think about the physical technologies that move our freight or handle our freight. Um, we've got an R&D program to to that's designed to to to, vet, to more efficiently handle freight. Um, it utilizes some patented handling equipment, uh, software, uh, a patented process to load and unload trailers more rapidly and safely. Um, it pulls full freight loads in and out of a trailer onto a facility floor and it's accessible from multiple points. And it involves several innovations across uh, mechanical engineering, IoT, edge computing, um, algorithmic optimization. It's it's early stage. It's in a limited number of locations, but it provides ABF Freight, our asset based operation, an opportunity to evaluate the the potential for for safety, for improved working conditions for our employees, and for a better experience for our customers. And we believe the benefits for that that innovation could be improved transit velocity, um, reduce cargo claims, improve safety. So I would say that, you know, in terms of the next five years, I think, I think folks are thinking across the board. They're looking at uh, the, the the physical technologies on how to move freight better. They're looking at the, the, the software enhanced um, um, kind of data science technologies to improve decision making. And um, so I I'm, I'm very excited about uh the next 5 years in terms of what we'll see happen in our industry.
0: I am too. I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on that. I'm excited about the next 5 years. It, it's going to be uh a time of great innovation and we we get the front row seat to to see it all, Michael. Uh, thank you so much for for coming and joining us at FreightWaves Live at home today. And uh and and good luck and, and we'll talk soon.
1: Thank you, Kevin. I really appreciate being here.
0: You bet. Stick with us and join us for our next fireside chat here at Freight Waves Live at Home.